am Kelly McVeigh. This is Carry On with Kelly, the podcast where we unpack the stories of my travel, cancer, recovery, and self-discovery from one small bag. This is episode eight of season three. There was a very unexpected short hiatus between episode seven and today, episode eight. The first episode of season three, I recorded back in March. I wasn't sure what I was going to talk about this season, and I was kind of honest about that from the beginning. Around episodes three and four of this season, I was so deep into languishing that I really couldn't see my way out. And the past few weeks, everything has been moving very quickly. Where I sit today, today is July 5th of 2021, there is so much going on in my life, personally. Some things I'm not quite ready to throw out there into the atmosphere, but we will get to those in the coming weeks and months. But mostly, I haven't recorded an episode because I didn't know where to start talking. So today, we're just going to call episode eight a random hodgepodge of updates on life in general. The first thing I'm very excited about, I found a Pilates studio. For those of you not in the loop on my love of Pilates, I've been taking Pilates classes since probably 2008 in New York, typically group classes. I would go anywhere in New York to get a Pilates class. I joined ClassPass at one point and anywhere that I could pop into a Pilates class, I did. When I moved to Cambodia, I found a Pilates instructor, my dear friend Fiona, who now lives in Singapore. And she encouraged me to go to teacher training. So I found a Pilates teacher training in Ubud in Bali which is where I went in March of 2018 for a couple weeks, did my mat teacher certification in August of 2018. That is when I moved to Bali to do my reformer teacher certification. The whole time I was in Siem Reap, I would fly to Bangkok to do Pilates. So my love of Pilates is vast. There are no Pilates studios near my house, which really haven't been a big deal because I haven't been healthy enough or my body confidence hasn't been enough that I think I could handle a Pilates class. I am supposed to be in physical therapy, but I get kind of annoyed with physical therapy. My copay for a physical therapy session is $50. I don't understand that. I pay for the best medical healthcare insurance that money can buy with UPMC, and I still have a $50 copay. When I go to physical therapy, they give me the same exercises that I lay on this mat and do on my own, and the physical therapist comes over to me for maybe five minutes. So I quit going to physical therapy. Dove into research on Pilates Studio, and I found the Pilates Center, which is clear across Pittsburgh in the Bethel Park, which is at least an hour and 10-minute drive for me, but their intro package for a private session is less than my copay for physical therapy. So I jumped in and went into a session. And the first day, the owner was my instructor. And she was so gentle 
and understanding with my body and my limitations and so respectful of my needs. I went back to another class and had a different instructor. She was equally respectful of my needs, but she did push me a little bit. And I was shocked that I could do what she asked me to do. And today I had my third session with another woman who used to live in New York for five years and before she moved back to Pittsburgh and just our, our, our backgrounds really were in line. She had some gyrotonic teaching experience, which I also love. So today was just a really great session and I'm going to try to go back once or a week or so for the rest of the summer. The other day I got stuck in traffic driving and I was so frustrated and convinced myself I was never going back. And then I had a wonderful session and decided to go back. But the other thing that really hit me is this huge epiphany. When I lived in Siem Reap, I would fly to Bangkok for Pilates, which entailed tuk-tuk drive to the airport, waiting for your plane, only a 35 minute flight to, to Thailand, but I had to go through passport control and then take a cab to my hotel, pay for a hotel, and then walk to Pilates. Granted, there were other things in Bangkok, namely the Australian CNN journalist, the urban environment that I so missed and loved, and just the, the whole encompassing nature of Bangkok. But the time I lived in Cambodia, there were specifically trips that I would book around okay, I'm going to fly in this day, I can do three Pilates classes, and then fly out two days later. So that kind of convinced me that I can make the drive to Pittsburgh. Um, the goal is to get there till the end of the summer. And by September, there's supposed to be a group fitness studio opening closer to my house. And by then, hopefully, I will physically be able to jump in to a group Pilates class. So super exciting update on my front. An overall health update, which I guess is might be odd that in the importance level that came after a Pilates studio, I saw all the doctors the last couple weeks. I saw my back surgeon who released me from care. His exact statement was, our goal was to make sure your back didn't get worse. So we knew it wasn't going to be perfect, which I can't be mad about because I, I know he was right. I still have a lot of numbness in my upper back where they did the back fusion. And that's apparently going to be permanent because of how they put the hardware in and it sliced through the muscles and the nerves, apparently. I still think times when I get overly tired, I can feel the hardware in my back, all the titanium screws and pins and braces that he put in there. He insists that's not true. Um, so I'm going to have to believe him. I feel stronger. I can hold myself upright. I can feel my body. I was, I had kind of a slight hump and that's dissipating and I can, I can just feel myself being stronger and, and being taller. My surgeon and I really connected from the first time we had an appointment he did his residency at Memorial Sloan Kettering, which was right in the same neighborhood where I lived and worked in New York City. And our time in New York really overlapped. So we really got along from the beginning. He was so kind and gentle with me. Even after my surgery, he came into the hospital room so late the day of my surgery 
just to come visit me before he went home for dinner because he didn't have time earlier and just everything about his demeanor has been wonderful to me. So I go to see him. It's probably been two weeks ago now. And he says to me, by now you, you got the letter, right? I didn't get the letter. So uh, June 30th was his last day at UPMC. He got a, an amazing role at the university of Pennsylvania to be the director of the brain tumor Institute, which I'm sorry, UPenn calls, you can't say no. And, and he agrees. He said that was one of the only jobs he'd ever leave UPMC for. I do have his personal email address. So when I need another back surgery, I will call him and we will make the commute to Philly. Hopefully that won't be for a while, but it's in my, my contacts just in case we need him in the future. On the cancer front, I saw all the cancer doctors in June as well. I still have cancer. I knew from the beginning I would always have cancer for the rest of my life, that it was not curable, but it was treatable. I knew I would never go into remission. But when I go see my oncologist and when I go see my hematologist, maybe 1% of me is waiting for them to say no evidence of disease. And even when I saw my oncologist at the beginning of June, she gave me my stats and I just sort of looked at her and I said, are you going to say it? She's like, Kelly, you know, I can't say it. I will never be no evidence of disease, but my cancer stats are, for lack of a better word, fucking amazing right now. When I was diagnosed, 85% of my blood plasma cells were cancerous. 85% of my blood was cancerous. On my last appointment, less than 1% of my blood is cancerous, which is really amazing. And I've had a lot of treatment to get me there. The stem cell transplant was hugely effective for me. But it's the truth of the matter is that my current treatment is what's suppressing the cancer. So if I go off of my current treatment, my numbers will increase. So I need to stay on my regular chemo cycle, which means a high dose pill once a week, which normally knocks me out and wrecks havoc to my body for 24 to 36 hours once a week, three weeks on, one week off. A couple things about my chemo, just for information purposes. Uh, my chemo bill, depending on who you talk to and what paperwork you read, is anywhere from ten dollars to $12,000 a month for three chemotherapy pills that are meant to keep my numbers low so I can keep living my life. I have amazing insurance, like I said, but my copay on that chemo with the best insurance money can buy at UPMC is still $800 a month just for my chemotherapy. That doesn't include my copay for my specialists, for my physical therapy, for my other treatments. $800 a month copay. I do get a grant right now since I'm only working part time and I'm technically considered being disabled right now. But it really affects the way you look at life. For me to go get a job earning a bit more money and losing my grant negates the idea of making any money if I now have $800 a month in chemo copays. Just something to keep in mind when you talk to other people who have diseases. It's not all about the disease. There is this financial aspect that we talk about a lot, but it is real. It is real. Easily, without that grant, I'd be spending $1,000, $1,200 a month 
just on copays to keep me alive. So I just thought I'd mention that. I'm going to stay on the chemo because it suppresses my cancer. In addition to the chemo, I have an IV treatment. It was every month for the first, I believe, two and a half years. Then we moved to every three months. And as of this cycle, we're going to move it to every six months. So my next IV treatment will not be until December. This IV slows down the breakdown of my bones, which is caused by the cancer that causes my fractures. Since the cancer attacked my bones, they're weak and we have to obviously keep them strong. But one of the huge side effects of both my chemo and this IV treatment is bone pain. So we do all this to correct my bones so I'm not in pain, but both of my treatments cause bone pain. So especially after I have this IV treatment, I can feel all of my bones and the issues with my bones. And then normally 24 hours after my chemo, I have some bone pain, especially where my fractures are. So that's something that I have to consider on a regular basis. This IV treatment that I get, rarely are people prescribed this for more than three to five years. So I will hit my three years in December. So after that, there are a lot of side effects from this IV treatment that could be bigger issues than the treatment itself. So it is cancer causing, it could cause kidney failure, it could cause other bone issues. So for now we stay on this IV treatment and we stay on the chemo and we will make that decision on the next steps in my cancer journey when those two fail me. I'll continue to see my oncologist on a monthly basis. We have agreed that there are a couple times in the next six, eight months that I can skip my monthly appointments, especially if I'm traveling. My hematologist doesn't need to see me till June. So all in all, great cancer update. I think it's a great cancer update. We'll kind of go from there. What else have I been up to since I last recorded an episode? For the month of July, I have challenged myself to do Plastic Free July, which means that during the month of plastic, I am going to try not to use single-use plastic. Did I just say during the month of plastic? During the month of July, I'm going to try not to use single-use plastic. The idea of Plastic Free July focuses on five items, plastic straws, coffee cups, or in my case, iced tea cups, plastic utensils, plastic bags, and any carryout containers, including styrofoam. So those are the five things we're going to focus on July. I'm going to be conscious of, of all things plastic in my life and try to be more eco-friendly. So Plastic Free July is something, I'm not going to remember when it started, but I can tell you that last year, 350 million people around the world participated in Plastic Free July. So if you haven't heard about it, look it up. And that's something that I'm going to do throughout the month. My biggest struggle, Starbucks. When I go to Starbucks, I get my Trenta iced tea and a cup of ice because I like things icy. And then I get a free refill. So I'm using anywhere from three to four, sometimes five or six plastic cups every time I'm in Starbucks. And throughout the pandemic, they haven't let us take in our reusable cups, even though they are Starbucks cups. 
But interestingly enough, I went to Starbucks today to work for an hour or so between appointments. And one of the managers was sitting there and I asked her, this was after I had technically put the notes down for this podcast and after I had already had three cups in front of me. And she said, I am allowed to bring in my reusable cup, which is fantastic. I don't think that's the case of all Starbucks, but I had read that they were moving in that direction. So that is very exciting. And maybe I won't kill the environment as much if I limit my Starbucks. Sarah, who is my friend from Sydney, who I've spoke about in previous episodes, Sarah and I have decided to do a podcast together. And the focus of the first series of episodes is going to be on Plastic Free July and my journey. And she will be coaching me throughout this journey because she is a sustainability expert, has a company called Plastic Free See Plastic Free Southeast Asia and Australia, which is how I met her. So you can check out our first two episodes of our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's called Life, the World, and Everything in Between. The reason for that title, she is in Sydney, Australia. I am in the United States. So there are 9,600 miles, and I think it's 1,600 kilometers between us. So there's a lot of things between us. So I will send the link to that if anybody's interested. On another update, I am in week three of my last class of my MBA. After this class, I do have to do my thesis, which is due in December. I am the only person enrolled in this class. So Seton Hill, which is the university I'm going to, is no longer offering the entrepreneurship specialization. So I am the last person apparently finishing this specialization. I am the last person enrolled in this last specialization class, which is a little odd in some ways. But in the other side, the professor has opened up the entire class online. And every couple days I do an assignment and the goal is just to get done by the end of July and have the class finished so I can concentrate on my thesis. This class is Financial Concerns of Entrepreneurs. Seems like an important class, right? I would think so. But each week we are writing part of a business plan, which I think is kind of an odd last class for an entrepreneurship specialization, especially because I know I've written business plans in other classes for this MBA. And I've written business plans in life and I've written business plans in my undergraduate degree. So I don't know if I'd necessarily call a business plan as a financial concern of entrepreneurship. I haven't got that far, but I'm finishing the class. I'll get an A. It'll be fine. But that is the direction we're going. And then one final update for today. The last episode of Carry On With Kelly, episode seven, I referenced how I used to plan for travel and how that has changed throughout my life. So when I was planning my trip around the world, I planned that trip for what, eight months before I left. And every month I picked a new city and I researched that city and and picked the hotel and really dug into everything. And that was the way I used to travel for part of my life. And then when I moved overseas, I got to the point that I would just on a whim, book a flight, find one thing to do in that city and go with it and end up creating this great experience. I really 
loved that part of me. That is an ode to my Jennifer Victoria story uh, from season one, I guess, how she introduced me to Goa in India. But I'm not there yet. I'm so not there. But why does it even matter? I, it matters because I booked a flight. I booked a flight to Peru. I leave on September 8th to spend five weeks in Peru. In a world still overrun with COVID, so for those of you in the States are forgetting that there are still parts of the world that are still locked down sometimes, I am trusting that by September we will be able to travel with little or no restrictions. My planning skills are very rusty, as is my travel confidence. I've never been to Peru. I've never been to South America. I have never been south of Mexico. It's probably as south as I've gone on this side of the hemisphere and this side of the world, I mean. So I need to kind of get into this travel planning mode. I know it's still 60 days away, but I'm kind of stuck. I'm kind of stuck, I'll be honest with you. So this whole Peru thing is a combination birthday present, boots on the ground research opportunity for my MBA thesis. It's an opportunity to give back to the local community because I'll be participating in a house build for part of my trip. I'm reconnecting with an old friend who I have not seen in 24, 25 years, which is really crazy. I'm meeting a whole new group of women that share a common goal. So those are all things to be excited about. As of today, I have a round trip ticket booked from Pittsburgh through Atlanta to Lima. Like I said, I leave here September 8th. And then I have a one-way ticket booked from Lima to Cusco on September 18th. Those are the only two flights I have booked. The build that we're doing, the house build, I know those specific seven days And there's some loose plans after that. A group of women from the house build will be hiking the Inca Trail. I will not due to my health, but I will be meeting up with them along that journey. But I have, I think, eight days at the beginning where I am solo and I'm still flushing that piece out. I have the couple days when they're hiking the trail that I'm flushing out. And then at the end, I believe I have eight more days where I am solo in Peru and I'm deciding on what town I want to spend those last eight days on. Internally, I have been pushing off the finalization of my plans, waiting for Mercury Mercury to be out of retrograde, which technically I know happened the end of June. Then we have sort of like the gray area after Mercury comes out of retrograde that I've been sort of waiting till those that happens. Um, I think I'm safe to start finalizing details. I think I'm safe to start sending in deposits on some of these things and paying for some of these plans. I'm a little hesitant, but like I said, today is July 5th. I still have 60 days, but I really want to get this finalized because there's a couple other big things coming up in my life that are going to start taking attention away from planning. So all good. And one day soon, I will start talking about them. But right now, the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about Pilates, MBAs, 
and planning Peru. So I hope you will continue to join me as I continue to carry on and, you know, we'll keep unpacking my stories one bit at a time from here until eternity, possibly. Have a good night and we will talk soon.